There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Your weekend home for all things sports. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. Yeah, since we've been away, there's been plenty of drama. There's been a goal. There certainly has, Tom. Yeah, we're back at the King Power Stadium. Premier League's early kickoff this afternoon. It is Leicester against Tottenham. The last time that we checked in, it was Leicester nil, Tottenham won. Tottenham had just had a goal. I mean, I will say correctly, it wasn't. It was a joke. The decision was given. Youngman's son onside to the naked eye. It needed VAR to drill down all the way to the very minutiae of the decision. Eventually, the goal was disallowed. Spurs then back to 1-0. They were you could feel an ab- absolutely understandable a little hard done by and as we so often see the case by case Leicester go down the other end it's James Madison who picks the ball up Harvey Barnes who has started this game wide left just in the second half started to pick up little pockets of space centrally it is he that picks it up he feeds Jamie Vardy down the left hand side his cross it's a cut back into the box and there is the right back Ricardo Pereira right place right time to hit it on home past Paulo Gazaniga inside the Spurs goal to level things up it's Leicester 1 Spurs 1 we're into the final 12 minutes of this one it is Spurs on the attack as we see Harry Kane with an acrobatic effort there he just mistimed it a little bit but 12 minutes to go it's Leicester 1 Tottenham Hotspur 1 Leeds still lead Derby by one goal to nil their own goal after 20 minutes from Jay Lowe and they've missed a penalty as well uh, not Derby Leeds that is so still ahead uh, despite missing that penalty in the early in the championship come on put us out of your your your, um, your misery not so much our, our misery uh, the misery of listeners out there you posed a little question earlier on I did who owns Real Valladolid the Spanish football club I did say arguably the best number nine in world football history it is of course the Brazilian, the original, there is something else that we know him as, but I won't say it, it'd be a bit derogatory to his size. It is Ronaldo who owns Real Valladolid. That is, uh, you can have that one for free. That's on Chris McCarty today. So he owns that, and I'm just trying to get the latest score update from there at the moment. Um, and I can tell you that it has concluded down there, uh, and Real Valladolid on the uh, receiving end of a 2-0 defeat against Villarreal. So it's interesting, La Liga at the moment, isn't it? La Liga's fascinating. Santi Cazorla, the Arsenal, the former Arsenal man, the veteran now who's had had a wretched time of things in the last few years with ankle injuries. He was one of the goal scorers. He scored from the penalty spot after 78 minutes. It was Javier Ontiveros that they added a little extra gloss to that scoreline. He scored in the 89th minute. So Villarreal 2, Real Valladolid 0. Villarreal up to third in the table. And just to break away from the Liga, back to the English Premier League, team news is in for the Man City-Watford game. And it's an absolute sickener. It's a heartbreaker if you've got Raheem Sterling in your team and if he's your captain because he's on the bench. <laughs> uh, Udinese just kicked <laughs> off against Brescia in Italian Serie A. Five minutes on the clock there, no goals scored as yet. And a team that you know quite well, also just kicking off, sorry, not just kicking off, but underway at the oh. moment, over in the Swedish uh, Premier League, Osterstunds. Osterstunds losing to Falkenberg, and I can tell you as well, not to bore you with too much details on this, Osterstunds' very existence is under the microscope. Some allegations that some money has changed hands where it shouldn't have and the last time I checked on this story they have got to pay 10 million Swedish krones, kronas, krones I think it is 
in the next 10 days or that football club ceases to exist. So watch this space on that one. I had Sean O'Shea, of course, now first team coach at ARK Stockholm. He was on the blower. He was on the phone to me this past week. And what the talk over in Sweden is, if Ostersunds cease to exist and are done as a football club, all the results from this season are expunged. What does all of that mean? AIK Stockholm will be a point clear at the top of the table no. over Djurgården. So that could have legal ramifications in there because I'm sure Djurgården won't be happy with that either. But watch this space on that one. They are plummeting like a stone in Alsvenskan, our Ostersunds. It's not been going well. Issues off the field, issues on it. They are 1-0 down with 10 minutes to go. And they could not only be heading towards the trap door, but literally speaking, they may well be heading to the trapdoor as a football club, which would be a sorry mm. state given what's gone on there over the past, uh, past six years or so. I mentioned that we've had plenty of drama. It doesn't get much more dramatic than the first semi-final in today's two semi-finals uh, for the Vilatiti T-Blast. Uh, Worcestershire Rapids uh, have somehow won this game. Somehow wow. won this game. I, I say it somehow because it was a cakewalk for Knotts. The, 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 the chase was on. They needed... 11 from 12 balls from the last Whoa. two overs. Now we're talking T20 20, cricket. T20, wow. Uh, but that was that man that we've just been talking about, Pat Brown, youngster. Very, very uh, exciting prospect for England bowlers uh, out there. Uh, he conceded four from the penultimate over. Wow. Took two wickets as well and the run out as well in an timely manner. Uh, Wayne Parnell, the hero for Worcestershire, uh, seeing out the final over. Ultimately, Ben Duckett, the villain for Nottinghamshire. He was. The set man still there had to get his side over the line, but they failed by just one run. Well, the, well there you go. Get rid of Joffre Archer. Get Pat Brown into the team. <laughs> you get, of them. You absolutely. Love get, get get rid of them very fast in England. So we've had enough of Archer. Get Brown in there. Derbyshire Falcons take on Essex Eagles in the second of the two semi-finals in just a few moments. Are you a fan of that format, the, the two semi-finals and the final same day? Listen, I think it makes exciting. I, I'm not sure what happens with the Vitality Blast when the 100 starts. Uh, the very much talked about, much discussed 100. But listen, it's a great. I think it's great for the fans. Uh, they played in the same venue, those two matches. Yeah. So listen, I think it's great. Semi and the final as well. Yeah. I mean, it makes for an amazing day out, doesn't it? But the thing about it is all the English cricket grounds are, of course, so small. They're all so small, which is the problem. So you probably only get 10, 15,000 people there. Whereas, of course, in Australia, that would be at the MCG or the SCG. MCG, you know, two uh, big, big, uh, big bash matches as the semi-finals, and then the final, you get 80,000, 100,000 there. It'd be an absolutely amazing day. But, you know, for the 15, 16,000 people at that ground, it'd be a great day's cricket. Up, good day out. Talking of all things Australia, you've been keeping an eye on NRL and AFL. It's been a busy time coming down to the business end of the season. Yeah, listen, it's been absolutely fantastic. I mean, my first love is, of course, the 15-man game, but there's been some wonderful, wonderful AFL and uh, NRL played over the last couple of weeks. I'll start with the AFL, which has an amazing story. The GWS Giants, the Greater Western Sydney Giants, probably the worst-named uh, sporting club in the history of the world, but they are the GWS Giants. Now, they've had the most unbelievable run over the last couple of weeks. They've had suspensions. They've had injuries. They've had dropouts. They've, they've sort of had a skeleton team, which they've somehow got onto the field. They also finished in the bottom half of the eight, so it means they had to play every weekend. They've come up against Collingwood, who are every, one of people's tips to ring, win the premiership. Collingwood had a week off. They're also playing in Melbourne at the MCG with 80,000 Collingwood fans going absolutely nuts. There's probably one Greater Western Sydney fan going, go the Giants, go the Giants. They've been running for like three years. No one's ever heard of them. And they've got in there and they've beaten Collingwood. 56-52. They have beaten Collingwood. So, and they've got through to their first ever final. 
and, but they almost lost it. They were winning by 33 points in, in the games, 56-52. They were 33 points up with 20 minutes to go. And they got down to Collingwood having a chance to kick a goal to win it in the last game. AFL, uh, Australian football is a wonderful, wonderful sport. It's never really grown more than Australia, but it's a fantastic sport. It's very, very entertaining. And this was one of the best games all season. I'll cross over to Chris for a goal. I don't care what happens. I don't care if Watford win 5-0 at the Etihad Stadium. There is only one story on the back page of tomorrow's newspapers, and it will be that offside decision. Five minutes to go at the King Power Stadium. It's Leicester 2, Tottenham 1. We've got friends alongside us here. They were saying, listen, 20 minutes ago, the game is over. The game's dead and buried. Spurs have got to this 2-0. They would see it out. That goal was ruled out. Ricardo Pereira levelled things up, and we have just seen why James Madison has been talked about as the second coming for English football he has just provided we saw it up in Aberdeen my neck of the woods he was on loan up there a couple of seasons back from Norwich City he has gone back down to Norwich he has kicked on again he was signed for big money he's picked the ball up 30 yards from goal he gets it out of his feet a couple of touches 25 yards out and he just gets the whip on the ball Gazaniga's beaten all hands up it's into the bottom of the left hand corner that man there Brendan Rodgers is absolutely delighted Four minutes to go. The fans delighted as well. One or two suggestions that that man has gone quiet in the last couple of weeks. He is a wonderful talent, though, is James Madison. I've no doubt that he will be a future England international. Make no mistake about that under Gareth Southgate. Cometh the moment, cometh the man. He has stepped up today. Four minutes to go at the King Power Stadium. It is Leicester 2, Tottenham Hotspur 1. Keep an eye on that one. Uh, and we return to Alex. Yeah, well, I think Spurs fans are going to be mighty, mightily miffed about that result, I must say. But Giants fans, the very few who were there at the Melbourne, Melbourne MCG were very, very delighted when the Giants won 56-52 to go through to their first ever grand final. This is talking about the Australian Football League, the AFL in, in, uh, in um, Melbourne, in Australia. And also in the other semi-final, we had uh, Richmond. Richmond, who were a very, very low club for many, many years. They really were They were really battling it out. They had a, a glorious pass, but I guess a bit like Liverpool, they went into a real dip. They've now come back very, very strong, and they've had a great win in the semi-final, beating uh, Geelong. 85-66, so a great win from Richmond. And Richmond will go into next weekend's final at the MCG as favourites. Again, they'll have 80,000 people there going nuts against the Giants, will be the rank outsiders. But AFL is a, has a wonderful ability of turning up really big upsets in really big games. The Sydney Swans are a perfect example. A couple of years ago, they should have really claimed a couple of titles, but they were beaten surprisingly by Hawthorne in one final especially. So you never know. Richmond versus the Giants is going to be a great semi-final, uh, final, sorry, next weekend coming through, and you will be able to pick it up here in the UAE if you feel like watching a really good game of international sport. Then crossing over to the NRL, which is the National Rugby League, of course, in Australia. Some fantastic games there. I've got to tell you about this one result. It's absolutely fa extraordinary. In the quarterfinals last week, the Parramatta Eels came up against the Brisbane Broncos. This was expected to be a tight game. The Eels won 58-0 in a quarterfinal. <laughs> 58-0. It then emerged, it's quite unbelievable, it then emerged after the game that half the Broncos team were in a pub playing the pokies the mid at midnight the night before the game. I know, it's absolutely extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. But anyway, the Eels won 58-0. The Broncos have been having tears and, and lots of uh, inquiries, lots of... Uh, 
recriminations the entire week. Anyway, so people were then hoping great things for the Broncos, as the, sorry, the Parramatta Reels. They're coming up against the Storm, who are one of the top teams in the semi-final. I think, well, they won 58-0. They've got a great chance this week. So this weekend against the Storm, they lost 32-0. <laughs> it's an 80-point turnaround, if you can believe it. Absolutely extraordinary. And the Storm will go through now to the semi-finals next week. This is like the preliminary the preliminary finals next week. It's a funny kind of see, see, uh, setup they have in Australia. So the Storm next week will go through to play uh, the sorry the Roosters. And in the other semi-final, the Rabbitohs. Very controversial game this. The Rabbitohs, Russell Crowe's club, yep. uh, the South Sydney Rabbitohs. They beat Manly 34-26. And that was a game that Manly looked like they were going to win. There's a controversial sin binning of uh, Tom Tavrojevic. And that then saw the Rabbitohs get home 34-26. So the Rabbitohs will go on to play the Raiders next week. And we'll see a huge, huge matchup with the Storm versus the Roosters in the other match. The Roosters probably now would be the pick to win. Sorry, I've got to correct myself. It's Yes, that's right. Sorry, it's the Raiders versus the Rabbitohs. That's next Saturday. And then we also have at the Sydney Cricket Ground, the very historic Sydney Cricket Ground, the Roosters versus the Storm, the, the semi-finals of the Rugby League next week. Lots to look forward to there. For, uh, when it comes to all things Australian sport. We're going to take a short break when we come back. Uh, we'll have more build-up ahead of the 6 o'clock kickoffs here in the UAE. Unbelievable goal! This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Listen to Dubai on a 3.8. Listen to The Grill. We're live here from Barasti into injury time in the early in the Premier League. Certainly are. Two minutes gone of six at the King Power Stadium and we were just talking to one or two Spurs fans down here. They still can't quite believe that their side is actually trailing in this match. It will come down to one instance, one incident. It will be the back page news, as I said earlier, regardless of what happens in the later kickoffs. I can just see it now. The Daily, the Daily Mail will have a field day. VAR farce, part 67, I, I think it is. I've, I've got to agree with you. I've got Christian here, who's a Spurs fan. I must say he's being very calm about it because I'm a Liverpool fan. If this was Liverpool happening, I would be standing up there. I'd be screaming because Spurs have been robbed, absolutely robbed in this game. If Alex was the TV, would be off the wall. The tables <laughs> would be turned up. The chairs would be flying. But if you're With just the rest of the us, Scousers. If you are just joining us, Tottenham led in this one. A real good goal in the first half through Harry Kane. They then looked as if, by all intensive purposes, had doubled their advantage. Serge Aurier it was, the right back who doubled. Great seemingly. goal too, great goal. Really gorgeous goal. Sun Hyung Min, not for the first time, through Harry Kane and a lovely little piece of vision and execution to find Aurier. Little daisy cutter into the far corner. Two, three minutes pass. We think Spurs are up 2-0 and VAR boys get involved. Now, the offside lines, the two lines, the black line, the red line, they get involved. They've had to zoom in on this one. The, the, the very minutiae, we're talking a hair's width to the naked eye. And as you rightly pointed out, Alex, the camera isn't even in line. And also, the, the actual, it's so close, the lines are in the same spot. The red and black line are actually in the same spot. So they're drawing perpendicular lines up to the pieces of the shirt. It's I mean, mental. it's absolutely ridiculous. It's insane. From there, the goal was disallowed. Ricardo Pereira, the right back, then leveled things up. And then just five, six, seven minutes ago now, James Madison, it was the England international, with a real good goal. Take nothing away from James Madison. A real good goal. But a Durham for the thoughts of that man on our screen right now, Maurizio Pochettino. He is sullen. He is brooding right now. And I'm sure he will have some choice things to say come the full time whistle 
Earlier on today, Australia overcame a strong Fiji side. That was said at half time. We'll have more details on that one for you in just a few moments' time. Final score was 39-21. That only tells half the story there. Let's hear from the opposing captains. Let's start with the Fiji captain, Domenico uh, Wakarimboritu, who uh, spoke after the game. I know you'll be disappointed in that result, but at the same time, there were some brilliant moments. What are you going to say to your team after that? Uh, you know, it was a disappointing result at the end, but I thought we played well in the first half. Uh, just a lot of things that we need to work on for the next game. It's a bit of discipline that um, put us down in the second half, and um, that cost us one player in the second half. So uh, I think we did a bit, a bit well, but we need to improve more if we want to compete in this competition. And when you say discipline, how can you fix that? Uh, it's all about mindset. It's all about the team, individual jobs. Um, yeah, it's all, you know, you can't really put the blame on um, anyone. You've got to put the blame on yourself. Um, for me and our system. And, uh, you know, it's, it's another work on for us. Um, you've got a very short turnaround Wednesday, Uruguay. Are you confident that you can get everybody back on their feet and ready for that? Uh, yeah, we've got a couple of niggles um, after this game. And... Um, yeah, we've got to go back and recover and um, take a really a short turnaround and um, uh, try and get back the game against Uruguay. So those are the thoughts of the Fijian captain. What about the Australian captain? Let's hear from Michael Hooper. Michael Hooper, captain of the Wallabies. Uh, are you satisfied with that one? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's a, a testing testing match for us um, going down like that. And in, in the fashion we did, you know, they... Fiji really came out of the blocks aggressive, you know, they're big physical guys um, and they took it to us there. Really proud of our guys to regroup, um, managed to, to work our set piece really nicely into the game and ultimately that paid off really well for us. Yeah, that was one of the key differences. Uh, well, Guinea coming on made a difference. What about the other changes that gave you guys the win? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no, there'll be no secret in the review that the, the finishes that came on really, um, you know, jack, jack the score points, um, the scoreboard up a lot. So um, that's what we need them there for. That's what we need the guys coming off, injecting energy, and they did that tonight. And with the try that you scored, did you just think to yourself, right, that's it, I'm taking it in close? I don't think I was going to get there. Then someone hit me um, from behind on our team, which gave me that extra little bit of boost. So I can't take all the credit, but uh, nice to get one on the board. Would you like to say something to the fantastic fans that are here? Oh, yeah. Um, goes without saying, but we heard you all night to the Australians. Thank you. Um, stay with us. Um, we loved you here tonight. All the green and gold. Keep it going. Um, see you next week. Um, interesting game, this one. Uh, a lot of talking points from it as well. I mean, Fiji will be frustrated because they had that lead, didn't they, early in the second, the second half? 21-12 they were up, wasn't it? They did, and for much of the game, they dominated this game. It was very impressive performance from the Wallabies because... Uh, you know, it's as Richard McCaw spoke about during the week, the World Cup hangs in, in the balance in very little moments. And this was a game that the Wallabies could have lost. They easily could have lost. Fiji were up, Fiji were leading, Fiji had the momentum. And what the, the Wallabies did is they really killed the game. They concentrated on the set piece and they concentrated on their scrum, which was very solid. Their lineouts had a few wobbles, but Loto came on, which really improved the lineout. They got their set pieces strong, and they just didn't give Fiji a chance. They didn't give Fiji the ball. So the Wallabies held onto the ball in the last 20 minutes, and they got two driving mauls. You know, they got over the line with two driving mauls, with uh, Tolu Latu scoring a couple of tries. Then Samu Karevi went over. Marika Korobeti went over. So they scored four tries in the second half. So a really, really impressive performance by, Wallaby, by the Wallabies. They actually kicked for a goal very badly too, so they could have even seen them win by a little bit more. But this was a very good performance and 
they're probably starting at a better point than they did in 2015 when, of course, they went on to make the final. So what I might take away, I must say, from the game today, especially with the problems that Wales have at the moment, with some injuries and also the off-field drum with Rob Howley, of course, I think it's going to be a very interesting match. And whereas you would have picked Wales to maybe beat Australia, I'm actually thinking the Wallabies might get up in that one and then they win the pool. Is that your next game or not? Do you know what it's no, uh, it's, it's, uh, I'll have to look at the draw very quickly. It, it, the, Wales, of course, has an easier game to start off with. Yeah. But it's going to, those two games are what it's going to come down to in the end. And I think, I will just check it in a moment, but I think it's it is Australia's game. It is, it's interesting there's a recovery time as well. Here, listening to the, uh, uh, the Fijians there, you know, they've got that quick turnaround mm. now. Next game on Wednesday after a, 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 a gruelling encounter uh, against Australia earlier today. Uh, Japan's next game, eight days from now. So it's, it's quite nice being a host, isn't it? It is nice being a host. This was a big controversy at the last World Cup because it was spoken about that the Minnows, not only have they got none of the playing resources, no, neither do they have any of the, the wealth of the other teams, and they're forced then to play three days later or four days later. Japan's draw last year at the last World Cup was ridiculous. They beat South Africa. Their reward for that was they had to play Scotland four days later. I mean, it's just crazy. So if Japan had had a better draw in the last World Cup, they probably would have made the quarterfinals. You know, uh, and that's, I mean, no one will ever know. The Scots are a good team themselves, and they might have knocked them over. But, you know, the, the differences between, it's this situation they have where they have five teams in a pool. The perfect way, of course, to have six, six pools of four teams else, but rugby is not yet in a stage where you can bring in the next four nations, sadly. They've been hoping to get to that. But it is, it's another part of it that, that uh, Fiji have a tough game against Uruguay. I think they will win pretty easily, though, that match. Uh, let's hear from the Australian coach, shall we, Michael Chaka. Uh, how did, what did he read into his team's victory earlier today? Michael Chaka, um, coach of the Wallabies, are you satisfied with that? Oh, yeah, I'm not going to complain at all, you know, like... So they're, they're such a dangerous team. We know them very well. They're players and, like, we're, it's what we expect. We probably didn't expect to be as far behind, but we knew that the start of the game would be like Fury from the other team, and we made a few errors that let that let them into it, but we, re, we recomposed ourselves and we got back to basics and we were able to get it done. So how often did you practice the rolling more with the team? Oh, just normal. We didn't target it in particular um, for this game, but... This is the World Cup, you know. No scrum, no maul, no line-out. We had a few line-out issues tonight. No win. So you, you need to start with that stuff. And I know it's generally not um, uh, assigned to Australia, that type of stuff, but to be able to do the other things we want to do, we need that. Do you think the crowd gets the boys up? This was um, so good. I was the crowd in the So many Aussies in gold jerseys and just want to thank them all for coming. I know they're having a great time probably, but... I hope they enjoy the game and uh, we look forward to them being around at all the matches because it's a great atmosphere. Interesting. I heard yesterday uh, during the game that they reckon that the Aussies are the largest travelling contingent this year's Rugby World Cup. 60,000 or something like that yeah, have I made mean, their way over? And that's fantastic and quite unusual to tell you the truth because rugby's on, been on such a downer in Australia for so long and there wasn't great hope for the Wallabies coming into this World Cup but the Wallabies had a fantastic win over New Zealand in Perth. That was a massive big lot, a big victory. They then get sm got smashed the next week in Auckland but there was a little bit of hope for the team and also Japan is so close to Australia. Australians have a great affinity with Japan, a great respect for Japan. A lot of Australian players go over there to play and coach. Uh, Eddie 
Jones, of course, is half Japanese, half Australian. So they, a lot of people want to get over there. And the Japanese are so welcoming. They just make you feel so at home. It, people felt it was a good trip to have. They thought the prices were going to be pretty good. So it's great to see a lot of Australians over there. And just to confirm, Australia's next game is against Wales. Huge game next Sunday. These games are really, these are round of 16 matches, really. We've seen one today with South Africa and New Zealand. This is a round of 16 match, Australia versus Wales. It's on Sunday, the 29th of September. Coming through here at 11.45. Absolutely perfect time. If Robbie Greenfield's listening, I shotgun that day off the show. <laughs> <laughs> a week Sunday. At least you can watch them. I'm on air at oh. that time. <laughs> well, you've got a big one tomorrow. Scotland Island tomorrow. Yeah, that is a big one. I might have to shotgun that tomorrow yeah. as well. There's an awful lot in the way of early morning starts. Of course, our show is a little later, which means for us, Tom, as opposed to you being on air, we at least can watch it, albeit in the office. I'll watch it in the studio. Uh, we will uh, have more for you in a few moments' time. Uh, final half hour of the show. Lots of team news to tell you about ahead of the six o'clock kickoffs in the Premier League. This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Uh, let's have a look at some of those six o'clock kickoffs for you, shall we? Three games kicking off at six o'clock around about half an hour's time. Just got some team news coming through from Sean Dyche at Burnley. One minor tweak from the team that drew at Brighton last Saturday. Jeff Hendrick, who scored against the Ski Seagulls after coming on as a sub, replaces Aaron Lennon. That's the only change for Burnley. They're taking on Norwich today. And that's, uh, I wonder, it'd be interesting to see how Norwich go after their heroics last weekend. Yeah, they climbed Everest last weekend, so <laughs> they did in that 3-2 victory over Manchester City. And this will not come as no surprise to many of you that Daniel Farke has started this same 11. So let's start with Burnley, the home side at Turf Moor this afternoon. As you rightly point out, just one change from the side that drew one apiece with Brighton last weekend. So you've got Nick Pope in goals, Matthew Lawton, James Tarkowski, Ben Mee and Eric Peters across that back four. Jeff Henrik in, Ashley Westwood, Jack Cork and Dwight McNeil, the man that I guess Sean Dyche and Burnley fans put an awful lot of stock in to be the creative force in that midfield. And then it's the big two cumbersome. They're awkward, they're difficult to play against. It's Ashley Barnes and it's the big Kiwi, Chris Wood, who will be bouncing in today's game. I'm sure he was an interested observer with that all-black Springboks match a little earlier. So that's Burnley. As for Norwich, as I say, unchanged. So you've got Tim Cruel in goal, Sam Byron at right back, Amadou and Godfrey are your two centre-halves with Jamal Lewis. I'm such a fan of Jamal Lewis, the Northern Irish international at left-back. Then comes your midfield two, Alex Tetty and the Scotsman Kenny McLean. And then it's Buendia, the man that was so so important a catalyst in many respects to Norwich's promotion season last season Steeperman the German and Ton Cantwell the youngster the young Englishman who is earning rave reviews this campaign and then of course up front it is the Iceman himself Timu Puki so that's your team news for Burnley against Norwich Let's go to Everton against Sheffield United uh, young man a lot of noise being made about Moise Keane uh, makes just his second league start for Everton as the Blues make two changes from the defeat to Bournemouth last time out. As to Sheffield United, just one change from their loss to Southampton last time out. Callum Robinson coming in uh, for David McGoldrick up in attack while Billy Sharp remains 
suspended at the moment. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. Moise Keane in for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Bernard as well, the Brazilian. He's been restored to the starting lineup in place of Alex Awobi. So Everton are as follows. Jordan Pickford in goal. Seamus Coleman, Michael Keane, Yeri Mina and Lucas Digne. Morgan Schneiderlin and Fabian Delph were anchor that midfield for Everton. It's then on the right-hand side, Richarlison. On the left-hand side, it is Bernard. Gilfie Sigurdsson in at number 10. And Moise Keane has been let loose by Marco Silva this afternoon. As for Sheffield United, Chris Wilder, it is that 3-5-2 formation that he has made his own, certainly in their successive championship campaign last season. So it's Henderson and goals. It's a back three of Basham, Egan and O'Connell. Sam Baldick will play on the right-hand side. It's Ender Stevens on the left. The midfield three of Lundstrom, Norwood and Fleck. And then the front two, it is Robinson. And the record signing, it is... Oliver McBurney leading the line for the Blades. Man City against Watford will be the feature game, of course. You can watch it down here live from Barasti, so do come on down. Great atmosphere still here. Great to see a number of the rugby fans sticking around and showing their appreciation for the round ball game as well. Uh, and, well, not such appreciation for VAR. More on that <laughs> in a few moments' time. Man City manager Pep Guardiola has got a few question marks um, to answer at the moment, and more so than how he's going to shore up that defence at the back. It's a problem area for them. What have they gone for today? Yeah, four changes from the side beaten by Norwich last week. Kevin De Bruyne, no surprise this one. He returns to the starting 11. Riyad Mahrez also gets a starting slot. Fernandinho and Benjamin Mendy coming into the defensive setup. So out go John Stones. Raheem Sterling, surprisingly, left on the bench. Ilke Gundogan on Alexander Zinchenko as well, which I was poking fun at fantasy football fans a little earlier for Raheem Sterling. I do also have Alexander Zinchenko in mind. So Manchester City are as follows. Ederson in goals. It's a back four. Kyle Walker, Fernandinho, Nicholas Otamendi, Benjamin Mendy. Midfield three, as he always likes, does Pep. Kevin De Bruyne pulling the strings. Rodri, his summer recruit from Atletico Madrid. And the ageless, the peerless David Silva. The front three, Riyad Mahrez, Bernardo Silva. And it's that man, the Argentine, the diminutive figure, arguably, and I'll throw this one out late in the day, the best striker that the Premier League has ever seen, Sergio Aguero, he leads the line for City. As for their opponents this evening, Kike Sanchez-Flores, he got a 2-2 draw back in the dugout at the Vicarage Road against Arsenal last weekend. Interesting to see as well that he has made a couple of changes from that match. So they are as follows are Watford. In actual fact, I've not got the team. They've, uh, they've posted up a couple of Man City ones, but fear not, I've got it. Ben Foster starts in goals. Kiko Firmino right back. Jose Halibus left back. Mariapa and Craig Dawson are your two centre-halves. It's then a midfield three. Etienne Capoue, the Frenchman. Abdoulaye Dukouré. And for some reason, he absolutely adores Tom Cleverley, does Kiki Sanchez-Flores. The former Manchester United man is back in. Fulquier on the right-hand side. Will Hughes on the left-hand side. And then it will be the lone front man. An interesting one, this. Not Andre Gray, not Troy Deeney. He's gone for speed. He's gone for wheels, has Kike Sanchez-Flores. It is Gerard Delafau who will lead the line in a fluent midfield, I think it's fair to say, for Watford. That one kicking off. It is the featured match down here in 20 minutes' time. I like Benjamin Mendy. It's great to see him back in as well. He's a character. He's a He's a great character. He's really good on social media. My son loves him. Uh, he's... He, 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 he's he seems to play the game in the right frame of mind. He but does. You've got to question his fitness, though, haven't you? I mean, yeah, bless him. He's had that serious knee injury his first season when he arrived, and and Pep, he is because he's a character, he is a personality. There has been suggestions that Pep has struggled to 
to almost kind of get him to, to buy into the ethos a little bit because he is a bit of a maverick and I think we should celebrate that. He is a little mercurial, but he has come in today. It's his opportunity, Benjamin Mendy, and before his injury, you may recall that he was a real feature of that AS Monaco he was. side he was. on I that left-hand side. Yeah, I mean, you've got to feel sorry for Man City, don't you? They're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> They've had to bring in World Cup winner Benjamin Mendy, you know? You've 50 feel, million pounds. You feel so sorry for City. I mean, I imagine when... Sorry, I'm remembering when Mendy first came to City, he was brilliant. Yeah. I mean, going down the side, he was getting... He was like Andy Robinson and Trent Alexander-Arnold rolled into one. He was superb. Great crosses, setting up a lot of goals, a lot of assists. He's a very, very fine player, Mendy. And it looks like... Uh, it's very interesting with City, of course, now moving Fernandinho back to that back four is a very interesting move. But again, I mean, they've just got such a strong squad, City. It doesn't matter who goes out, who comes in. It's interchangeable. And you're sitting with Raheem Sterling on the bench, you know, and Aguero up front. It's, it's a great, great lineup. as you're always. absolutely right. Riyad Mahrez cost them best part of 50 million. Benjamin Mendy was 50 million. I mean, these are some incredible options. Kevin De Bruyne steps off the bench from the side that lost last week to Norwich. I'd expect a, a response from City. I think Watford might be in for a hiding today. Yeah. Going to keep an eye on that game for you. Just a quick uh, uh, heads up, uh, a line on the game, the early kickoff in the Championship. We're talking about Leeds' as dominance uh, in that game, uh, but they did miss a penalty in the second half, and that might have, well, that might haunt them as well because injury time things happen don't yeah they? injury time things do happen when you don't take your chances at any level any young kid listening take your chances make sure you hit the back of the net by hook or by crook and I can tell you Leeds United for all their dominance I say dominance Philip Cuckoo and we talked about the Dutch way of playing he will be absolutely walking on air not the victory but going to Ellen Road against a Marcelo Bielsa side and having 56% possession, you've got to be happy with that. And I can tell you, he's come away with a point as well. Chris Martin, not he of Coldplay fame, of course, former Scotland international. He has levelled things up in injury time. It was Jamie Patterson, the former Nottingham Forest man, Bristol City man as well, I think it was, that created for Chris Martin. So the big man, the big Scot, has levelled things up. It's finished at Ellen Road. Leeds United won, Derby County won. Uh You've been listening in to uh, Mr. Guardiola throughout the last few days as well. What has he been talking about? Interesting stuff in all of this because not for the first time, Tom, he's been talking up the man who sits normally to his left-hand side in the dugout. It is Mikel Arteta. Now, Mikel Arteta, for anyone that follows their football closely, in footballing circles, is being tipped in many respects. I hate to say it, but I'm going to, as the next Pep Guardiola. He sees the game very similarly. He has been heavily touted for a number of years. I am well aware it came down to two men for the Arsenal job. It was Kike, eh, sorry, Unai Emery. Mikel Arteta was interviewed not once but twice. He did impress the powers that be. The one thing that held him back was his lack of experience. They felt that it needed a safer pair of hands replacing Arsene Wenger. They chose the decision to go with Unai Emery. But Pep Guardiola has been lavishing praise on his compatriot, on his number two. He's had this to say this week. No, from the day one. So not just the last two seasons, last is uh, my assistant coach before was Dome. So from the day one, it's a guy, he's incredible work ethic. He has a special talent to analyze what happened and then to find the, the solutions. And, uh, and yeah, we talk a lot about what he believes, what he feels and, and so on. Yeah, he helped me a lot, especially in the first year. Like, he's a, you know, the Premier League, I go to play in Stoke or play whatever. And he can tell me this, he knew the players were going to face better than than myself because he played along you know against them for it was here 10 or 11 years playing here in the Premier League a long time and and that's why he helped me a lot and still helped me so he's a guy who is so happy when 
when when we win, but especially he suffered a lot when we doesn't win and we don't win, and that's why he tried to find a solution. He's an incredible person, incredible, incredible human being, with in, incredible values about what it means the locker room and and to be together. And uh, he is already an incredible, incredible manager. He will have incredible success in his future. Would you do you see him as someone who might be able to succeed you at this at this club? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he will have success. Succeed, yeah. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. He's a young, young manager. He's 37, 38 years old. So he's so young, have experience already to handle big players, big teams. And, uh, you know, when it's going to happen, it's going to happen. We spoke a little bit before before we met each other. And, and of course, I like if he have another point of view about the way we want to we wanna play. Uh, he can tell him and we, we change something in the team thanks for his vision of what he has seen and um, and and but I am pretty sure he was a holding midfielder too and I think he read the situations he's a holding midfielder the best ones is like they play thinking what the team needs in every single moment and he was a master of that the holding midfielder he played for himself or make a good person for himself that is not a good holding midfielder and and he's a, a guy who, who has this ability to, to see when he was able to see what happened on the pitch when he's off the pitch it's easier and after that so you know he can do it but of course we, we see the football in a in really, really quite a close, close way. You're listening to The Grill. More of the biggest sports stories now. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Bayern Munich and Hertha Berlin both taken first half leads in the kickoffs over in the German Bundesliga. Bayern taking on uh, Köln and Hertha are 1-0 up against Paderborn at the moment. Udinese Brescia is still 0-0 uh, in that one. Barcelona in action later on this evening. 11 o'clock tonight they are away at Granada, looking to get their season back on track after some indifferent results early part of it. Uh, and talking of indifferent results, Manchester City on the receiving end of one last weekend. Expect them to bounce back today? Yeah, they were very good midweek against Shakhtar Donetsk, uh, and I hate to be cliche, but I'll do it anyway. Not an easy place to go, Ukraine. I Absolutely. appreciate it's probably a little Absolutely. easier in September than it is December, January time, but they went there. It was comfortable in midweek. A 3-0 success for Pep's men. Today, against a Watford side, yes, okay, there's a little bounce-back ability when you bring in a new manager, and certainly the way they performed in that second half against Arsenal, Watford, were good value for the victory in actual fact last week. I just think... Man City, De Bruyne pulling the strings, Aguero restored to the starting 11, City will win today. You would expect so, and of course the last two teams, the last time these two teams came up against, correct me if I'm wrong Chris, but it was 6-0. Yes it was, FA Cup. And there was big build up for that game, this is going to be the game for Watford, they're going to make it, they're going to do it. City 6, Watford 0. So I hate to say it, but I think it's going to be a similar result today. That's what's happening in round about 10 minutes time, kick off in that one. Uh, You've got Rugby World Cup, are back with you tomorrow, Uh, we're going to play out with a bit of Rugby World Cup, a bit of a trip down memory lane of Rugby World Cups of years gone by. World Rugby, throughout the build-up to this Rugby World Cup have been putting together uh, the top 50 Rugby World Cup memories. have just come down to the last 10, so we'll play out with those. Uh, not before I say a big thank you to all the team down here, though. Chris McCarty, thanks for being on board with us today. Enjoyed it. Always a pleasure, Thomas. Thank you, my friend. Thanks to you. Thanks also to Mr B, Alex Brune. Lovely to have you on board. It's great to be here, and I just can't wait for the next month of the Rugby World Cup. It's <laughs> going to be absolutely fantastic. Looking forward to every moment. Enjoy it. Uh, thanks very much indeed to all of you for texting in your thoughts. Uh, thanks to 
all the crew down here at Barasti. Uh, that was the grill live from Barasti. We're back again between three and six, hopefully next week. Uh, so make sure you tune in then. To all the team back at the studio, we thank you. And we play out with, well, how many of these games did you watch in Rugby World Cups gone by? Goodbye. Far Jones digs it out. Liner, little chip ahead. Horn's going to chase that, so's Campisi. Campisi gets it in his hands. Campisi, David Campisi, dodging both ways and feeding Tim Horan. Horan to score. Tim Horan scores for Australia. A marvellous try, and it all came from that man, David Campisi, yet again. This one's a little bit again, yes. It's Liner changing his mind, putting it behind the defence. Now it's really important to get there quickly, and it's uh, maybe a little unfortunate. It's got up to Campisi's hands like that, and then it's going to be very hard indeed to stop him from there. And he's turned his defender around inside out, and <laughs> been the usual reverse over the top pass. Oh, what a beautiful pass to Tim Horan, and a super try for Australia. And it's Timo Tagaloa. He'll take on the Welshman. The first field for the moment. Dan straightens up. Tomalatai, Vyanga. Surely a try here for Vaifare, going over at the corner, the second try then of this second half for Western Samoa, and Wales are in desperate trouble. To ring, danger here for Wales, and that's it, the final whistle, what a dramatic victory then, but it's the Western Samoans day. They're absolutely delighted, and they're now on course for a place in the quarterfinals of the World Cup. And who knows what might happen after that? Very hard. Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Gregan. Drop goal from Larkham. And big goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be at the beer. He certainly has, I can't believe it, he can hardly stand on that foot. He looked up and he just whacked it. That was a magnificent kick. Mitchell, give it away, Ben Smith, Barrett is chasing, he's got Pocock for speed, this is Bowden Barrett, control this, and the cup is his, it's New Zealand, and it's history, confirmed, back to back, World Cups. The magnificent McCall and Carter and the rest keep their hands.
of the Rugby World Cup. Ladies and gentlemen, your winners of the Rugby World Cup 2015, New Zealand. Mertens getting it round, Umbanga's dropped it, hacked away by Manya. He and Bernard Sauer are after it, Manya chases on, Wilson's got a hell of a lot to do, he hasn't done it, Bernard Sauer. The cry is given, Bernard Sauer surely won this game for France. Lamu, he's still on his feet, Lamu could score, that's a great try for New Zealand. And one fancies trick that uh, England's fears about the big man are certainly very worrying at this stage. He literally just ran straight over Tony Underwood. And uh, England's plan was to get in very close to the big man. What well, is a frightening prospect. Here, yeah, the pass even goes astray. He had to go and ferret for it. And back he got it well. But look at the power of that man. They try to tackle him. He just seems to slip out of it. Cat tries to tackle him. And... Uh, Beautiful try, and that certainly will have a big effect on the game to get ahead so early. And here, watch that pass. It's not a very good pass, and well picked up by Lomo. Look at the power of the man. 118 kilograms, six foot five. President to the captain. There it is. Francois Pinar. And Nelson Mandela is cheering along with the whole of the stadium. A sea of flags. Wonderful moment for the whole of South Africa. We hardly believed it could happen for them but it has and now the celebrations i'm sure will go on for at least a week 
There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.